Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards. Thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget to drop us a tweet on NL Full-Time and also give us a follow on iTunes and Spotify. Joining myself to look through the action this week it is, as always, our resident uh, NL full-time expert, Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. don't know about that, but uh, hi, Luke. And uh, a man who's certainly not feeling grey, he's, he's on top of the world, it is Sutton United manager, Matt Gray. Hiya, Matt. How you doing, Luke? You right? Oh, yeah, well, not as good as you, Matt. I, I mean, fantastic start to the season, three wins out of three for yourself. It was from 3-0 against Maidenhead last week. Then you won 2-1 at all the shot, even though when I last looked, it was 1-1. And I was like, I said to Rob, that was a good point for you. And he went, no, we lost, Luke. I went, all right, OK. And then you uh, followed that up with a, a tough 1-0 away win at Weymouth. You, you couldn't have asked for a better start, could you? No, certainly not. You know, two clean sheets out of three games and obviously two away wins, three, three wins on the bounce. Sort of a perfect start, really, after the three games. And I'm, I'm absolutely delighted. Some um, mixed performances, if you like. There were spells where we sort of had to dig in in games and, and sort of weather little spells uh, from the opposition. But overall, especially yesterday, I thought it was our best performance yesterday. And, and um, we won 1-0 and scored quite late on. But I thought it was going to be a frustrating 0-0 for us because we had so many chances and we were so dominant. Um you know, in the end, we got the goal that we fully deserved and, and kept the three wins out of three, which I'm obviously delighted about. Yeah, I suppose the other advantage as well is you've not had to maybe travel quite as far. I know, I know Weymouth's a, a bit of a distance, but still compared to some other ties you could have had, it, it's not been too bad on the old travelling for you, has it, this week? No, no. The, the journey down, you know, the traffic was fine going there and back. So, you know, and, and Tuesday night, all the shots, obviously a local game for us. So, yes, it's been uh, nice on that front. But, uh, you know, it's, it's very early days, obviously. You know, you know, a lot of managers will say it, but you don't really look at league tables or things to settle down, really, until you've played at least 10 games, I'd say. Um, so, all, all we can do is just focus, keep focusing on the next game, do our preparation like we were doing, and just keep trying to put as many points on the board as early on as we possibly can. It's a big thing as well, Matt. You've kept quite a settled squad from, from last season as well. Yeah, it was a bit of a tough start for me as, as a manager, really, the first half of the season. You know, I've obviously inherited a squad and, and, and you know, you're trying to shape your ideas onto that, onto those players and you're obviously trying to get a few in and a few out and you're trying to get your, your personnel right to fit into what you're doing. We were five unbeaten at the start of last season for the first five games and then we went on a very poor run. Um, but made a couple of changes, got a few key personnel players who were, were injured during that run. I got them back fit again. And the second half of the season, we were on, we were on a really good run and, and we were on excellent form probably the last 19 games uh, since sort of a defining game away at Torquay in early November. Since then, we never really looked back and we were disappointed, obviously, to finish. Um, we were eight points off the playoffs with eight games to go. I think that would have been too big a ask for us. But I feel we would have definitely finished in the top half, which would have been great, you know, as, as the first season. Um, I've kept 15 of those players um, from last year's squad. I've signed Dean Bazanis and uh, Toby Show Silver in the, in the summer, which I've been very pleased with them since they come in. 
And I've managed to get Isaac Alafe, who was with us for the last month or two of the season. And, and, and went, unfortunately, we lost out on him going to St. Johnston, but it didn't work out for him up there. Um, we've managed to get him back on loan, um, a long-term loan this week. So, you know, I feel I'm virtually there now with, with a small squad, but a squad that I'm very happy with and, and lots of competition and flexibility in, in the positions that I can play as well. So I'm, I'm very pleased with where we're at. Matt, did you... Um... Do you think, and it's difficult to think back what you were thinking at any point, isn't it? Because the whole COVID thing has just stretched right through the end of last season, through the summer and into this. Did you think that you would keep such a settled squad? Um, is, is one factor in you keeping such a settled squad the, uh, the kind of togetherness that's kind of continued within playing squads and within clubs through the lockdown? You were all kind of in it together, weren't you? Yeah, definitely. And before all this COVID happened, I had nine players already on contract for next year anyway. Um, I had five, six with Harry Buton out of contract. I had five that I'd already agreed deals with um, when we went into lockdown, but I couldn't sign them there and then. And we basically had to shake hands on when we were up and running again, I could get those five done. And then Harry Buteman was left that we were going to speak to him at the end of the season. Um, so with those five stroke six players, that, you know, that pushed us up to 15 and the 15 that I wanted. And Nick Zanev, who we had on, on loan from uh, AFC Wimbledon last season, we found out that he definitely wasn't going to be coming back uh, to playing goal for us. So we, we, we were, you know, opened our net and myself and Jason Goodliffe with Mickey Stevens and Jamie Collins' help with recruitment. I feel recruitment's been pretty good from us to be um, so far. And, and then Dean Bazanis has, you know, certainly got the pedigree to, to come in and fill that gap for us. Toby Show Silver, a South London base boy, wanted to move back home as well. We did well and obviously finished in the playoffs of Halifax last year. So it just gave us those two options as, as well as obviously signing uh, Isaac this week as well. So it's pushed us up to, to 18. Um, 18 at the moment. Aaron Simpson's coming on a non-contract just to help with our injury. You know, we're defensively a little bit short at the moment. We've still Ben Goodliffe and, and Louis John still not kicked the ball for us, who were my main two centre-halves last year. So, yeah, working off about 18 stroke 19 players at the moment. And like you say, I'm, I'm that continuity, that consistency in the dressing room, the team spirit, the, the group of players, knowing what, what got us good results in the second half of the season. And, you know, very much this pre-season was just reminders and, and just keeping them going, just refreshers. Whereas last pre-season, it was trying to implement all your ideas from minute one. So I felt in a lot better place with me personally, with the squad, with the staff, uh, just to, to try and hit the ground running and keep that form going that we had, uh, as I said, the second half of the season. Looking at the three results and the three games, Matt, obviously the first game was at home to Maidenhead. You got away, you got ahead and, and saw it through comfortably. And then... One goal away wins in midweek at Aldershot and uh, and uh, yesterday. Now, they were quite different, weren't they? Um, a scoreline doesn't tell you really everything you need to know. I mean, as you said, yesterday, uh, I think you had nine efforts on target and the opposition zero. So it could have been a really, really frustrating nil-nil if you hadn't nicked it through Will Randall. But... Um, Tuesday night, the, the, the night that I watched you at Aldershot, I saw a few different Suttons in the same game. I thought you were the better side at the start. Um, you got your lead. Immediately that you took the lead at Aldershot and, and, and for a fair period in the second half, I was impressed with you 
without the ball. I mean, I'm sure you'd have liked more of the ball and you'd have liked to have been attacking at the other end to go and kill the game. But you stayed in the game during that period really, really well and then nicked it late on. Definitely, Rob. Um, I thought we were very good at all the shot on, on the fir- in the first half. Um, we had several chances to take the lead before we actually did. Um, something we weren't great on last year and I, I, I demand more from our team. We didn't score enough from attacking set pieces last season and it's massive in, well, in any league, especially the National League. Um, and to go ahead from a set piece, yeah, obviously you could maybe question the goalkeeper paring it back, but it's a good ball into a good area and we've got bodies around the seconds as well. So, uh, yeah, I was very pleased with the first half performance, but, you know, you're away from home against a good side who will certainly pick up results this season all the shot and cause many teams problems. And they're going to have their spell. And for 10, 15 minutes, I didn't feel comfortable at the start of the second half. The wind was actually stronger than probably most would realise uh, going up the hill there. And we were into the wind uh, second half. And I just thought we didn't we didn't do the basics well enough. We didn't get up the pitch. We didn't Our clearances weren't great. We didn't pass it when we could. Um, and it sort of let all the shot get on top a little bit. But without really creating a, a chance on goal again, I think the only save Dean Bazanis has had to make was from the free kick where he saved it down to his right-hand side. I don't think they had a chance in open play against us, even though they sort of penned us in a little bit. But after 15 minutes, I felt we weathered that storm, got back into it, and it got a bit bitty. But but again, we can do that. You know, it, I think it flattened out a bit the game and there wasn't much quality in that second half from either team. Uh, we conceded from a set-piece, which is thoroughly disappointed. Um, but but again, I think it's, it's a good sign of where we're at, that we, we kept digging in. I think the, their goal sort of sparked us a little bit and, and gave us a little bit of life, woke us up a bit again. And um, when we got into some good areas without really creating too much, uh, got the free kick and another great ball in, bodies in the box and forced an error and managed to win 2-1, which I felt over the course of the night, I think was probably just about right. It's funny, Matt, actually, um, just before we go on and look at the other results, it's funny you actually mentioned about casting your your net uh, wide. I mean, you couldn't cast it any wider than Australia with Dean Bazanis, could you? I know he's played in England before, but he came directly from Melbourne City. It's not often you see that somebody coming from from somewhere like there straight into the National League. How did that come about? You know, I've I've been around this level, League Two, National League, same as Jason Goodliffe. Uh, for many, many years now. Now, with the helps of, of other members of staff, with Mickey Stevens, who knows the level inside eight, Jamie Collins, who's obviously played at these levels as well. Between us and our contacts, you know, we, we, like I said, when we found out it was 100% that Nick Zanev wouldn't be coming back to us, uh, we, we put the fillies out. And, and Jason knows someone who's um, a goalkeeping coach at Arsenal. Um, we were just speaking to as many goalkeeping-related scouts, uh, coaches as possible to to give us as many options as possible to look into to to try and find our number one and was looking to move back over to the London area to to be with with his girlfriend and he was looking for a club and he feels he's a league goalkeeper he feels he still wants to play in the football league but with the current circumstances that amount of players that are, are out of clubs and out of work at the moment he felt that the national league uh, a London based national league club would be a great fit for him. Um, I'd, obviously I didn't I couldn't meet him in person I had several Zoom meetings with him watched hours of videos um, and I just felt with his age his experience his quality his distribution um, I thought he was going to be a great fit for us and I've been hugely impressed with him in, in pre-season in training um, his professionalism his mentality what he demands off his back for his team um, I've been highly impressed with him his performances both on and off the pitch and 
and hopefully he can have a great season for us. Absolutely, yeah. We'll uh, we'll keep our eyes on that. Now you're not currently top, Matt. You're only uh, you kept off the top on goal defence because Hartlepool are currently top. They had a four nil win at Maidenhead. They followed that up after the two one opening day win over Aldershot, and then a two one win at Chesterfield. And um, Rob Hartlepool have flattered to deceive, haven't they, over the last couple of seasons? But I know we've all tipped them to do well this year, and and, and that starts prove that. Yeah, I think they've been probably more impressive since the opening day win against Aldershot than, than, you know, I wasn't overly impressed with them on that opening day. They certainly did enough to win that game and there were no complaints. But uh, um, they put uh, Maidenhead to the sword yesterday, much as obviously Matt Sutton did on the uh, opening day. But um, no, very good start and momentum's huge in sport, not just football, any sport. There's nothing like getting a decent start. Um, and, uh, you know, Dave Chandler will be absolutely delighted. There were one or two players at Hartlepool that did impress me. I like Gav Hollihan for a midfielder. He he, he really knows. He, he's so keen to score goals. He had four efforts in the Aldershot game. And I think he's grabbed a couple already this season. Um, and they'll go well because, as Matt will tell you, um, you know, he's been around this level a while. And so is, uh, so is Dave Chandler. Um, leads me to a question. I know we're going to move on to kind of reviewing the scores and things a little bit now, but Matt, what sort of level of contact did you have with the other managers during lockdown? Because at times you must have been scratching your head and, and, and wondering what, what, what news next? Yeah, obviously getting well with quite a few National League managers. I'm, I'm really close to Peter Atherton, who's the assistant manager at Barrow. I was, in, you know, I was speaking to him quite a lot about the situation over, over the lockdown period. Uh, Simon Weaver at Harrogate, I spoke to a, a few times, but it was very much the unknown, wasn't it? And then, and we're just waiting. Initially, you know, the, to, to find out if we're going to play the playoffs. Obviously, that didn't affect us getting the playoffs out of the way with, and then just trying to get a start date for the season, which I can then work off a, a start date for pre-season off the back of that. I was, I, you know, I know some managers, and there's no right or wrong. You know, I'm not saying I've done it right. It's just the way I felt. I wanted to do it, that I wanted to keep it the same time for pre-season. I didn't want to bring him in any earlier. Uh, I didn't want more games. I wanted the same period of time and I wanted the same games because, that you know, it's going to be a long season, nine, ten months squeezed into nine. There's going to be a hell of a lot of games and I just didn't want a longer pre-season to extend it even further. So I just wanted to get that start date of the season to then work back our pre-season date off of that. Um, and that was very important for me and, and then just building the minutes up and just treating it very, very normal um, with our preparations. So there was no change from what we did last year. Um, but it's just really pleasing to be back, but obviously very disappointed. There's no fans with us at the moment. Hartlepool then, Matt. I mean, what, what do you make of them? They've had a good start. Do you think they can be playoff challenges this year? Um, without a doubt. Uh, really nice guy, Dave Challenger. Uh, I've spoken to him on the phone a couple of times. We played them the last game before we stopped last season. Uh, one all draw. Holland scored actually, Rob, a very good goal, broke from midfield, very good player. Um, I was really impressed with him on that day. Um, he certainly knows this level, he's been successful at this level. Uh, a massive club with some very good players, a great start. They will definitely, definitely be there or thereabouts, um, without a doubt, and um, they'll certainly be ones to watch. Absolutely. Well, just looking at the other end then with Maidenhead, I mean, you beat them 3-0 on the opening day of the season. They, they led twice against Kingsley on Tuesday and only ended up drawing at home. And then obviously that defeat at home to 
Hartlepool on Saturday. It's not been a good start for them. And normally Ellen Devon, she's quite wily and, and kind of keeps her heads above water, but it's not the start he would have wanted, is it? Of course not. But Alan Devonshire, another very experienced manager at this level, uh, he won't be panicking too much. They've had a lot of turnaround in players throughout the summer. Um, they're three games in, just get that first win on the board. And against Maiden, then they can pick up results against anybody. They're not an easy team to play against. It's certainly not an easy place to go. Um, and I'm sure once they get that first win, they will make it very difficult for teams and pick up points and, and soon get going because um, they've got some good players there as well. They do um, They do tend to go in runs, Maidenhead. They have done since they've been up and they, they've had a few barren spells, but but uh, Dev always seems to get a little run of three victories in a week or something somewhere along the line that just pulls them clear of safety. Yeah. Just a little bit of correction to your detail there, Luke. I think you've got to look at these games until the end. Kings Lynn won, didn't they, at Maidenhead, or have I got it wrong? Or was it- no, Kings, no, Kings Lynn won, yeah, on Tuesday night, 3-2. Yeah. They won 3-2. They got a late winner. So you've got to start logging, stop logging off and going to sleep 85 minutes in, Luke. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, well, yeah, there was coming through on the on the Twitter. Yeah, I thought the uh, Kingsland had got two draws before yesterday. So, so my apologies, Kingsland fans. Uh, you can th- shred those letters you were going to write. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kingsland actually talking of them. It seemed into nicely. As I said, he did have a good start. Four four points from two games, but they came back down to earth a little bit with a bump, didn't they? They were heavily beaten at Solly Hall in the end, weren't they, Rob? By five goals to nil. And I think they've had a taste of what the National League is about now. Yeah. Going, believe me, as Matt will know, and I'm sure will concur, going to Solly Hall Moors, and I know it's under Shan now and it's a slightly different approach to what it was under Tim Flowers, but that is not an easy place to go. And if you are not 100% on it, those results can happen. Um, we have to mention 18-year-old Cameron Archer on loan from uh, Aston Villa. Uh, got a couple of goals after coming on uh, in the second half yesterday. And it was, it was it was a week late, Matt, but it was a welcome to the National League um, in uh, difficult circumstances for Kings Lynn yesterday. Yeah, he'll be pleased with the start. He'll probably be pleased on the opening day. I saw some highlights of, uh, of their game against Yeovil. They certainly looked a good side with frets um, and they, they were well worthy of their at least a point against Yeovil. Um, to go and get a, a good away result at, at Maidenhead on Tuesday, he'd be very pleased with that start. Four points from two games. But like you say, Jimmy Shan, new manager, new style at Solihull, but still a tough place to go. Um, against you know a big budget there with some very very good players and another team will be certainly looking to be a playoffs at least solid hold so that you know they'll they'll probably look at that um, that game there reflect on it and they'll they'll be learning again with Ian Culverhouse who's an experienced manager I've heard he's a very good coach as well and it has certainly set his team up very well uh, in the in the bits I've seen this week um, and it, listen it, they won't phase him too much and they'll dust themselves down and, and they'll be ready to go again on Tuesday. Adam Virgo called Ian Culverhouse uh, the nicest man in football that he's ever played under for his comments last week. Um, and Solihull Moors, I mean, you look, at, you look at the team, Rob Rooney wasn't even on the bench. I don't know if he was injured. Jamie Osborne, Kyle Storer, they were on the bench. So that just shows the strength of that squad. Yes, yeah, a strong squad. A lot of competition for places and and you need that. <clears throat> and uh, forget size of club and tradition and everything else. The owners, the the the, the management at Solihull Moors will be expecting success this season. They uh, they invested well in the side last season. They backed them again this season, and uh, 
you know, they really do have an expectation to be up there, uh, as Matt says, you know, fighting for the playoffs. A team who've, uh, we should probably mention next, who've had an unbeaten start as well with uh, two wins and a draw out of the first three uh, is Eastley. Mm. So one of the results that probably went a little bit unnoticed yesterday, they were pegged back. It was a point on the road for uh, for Altrincham. But, um, yeah, easily good start for them under Ben Strevens, Matt, seven points out of nine. Yeah, it'll be very pleased. And it's signed Ben House there. I think he's got three goals already. You know, they'll, they'll be wanting to look to win their home games. But, ultimately, you know, I watched them uh, on BT Sport on Wednesday night. And, they, you know, especially early on, I thought first 10, 15 minutes in Los County, they were excellent. And uh, they'll certainly pose um, many teams' problems. So, it's probably not, overall, not a bad point. Uh, seven points out of three, three games, Ben. And we'll be uh, extremely happy with that. He's made some good signings and, uh, yeah, it'll be tough to bits and, and looking to try and get some more points on the board on Tuesday. Yeah, Rob, they kind of went under the radar on our previous show. We just gave him a little mention at the end and said, all oh, the probably mid-table, they'll be fine. And Ben Sherman's is a good manager, but he'll be delighted. If he'd have offered him seven points, I'm sure he'd have snapped our hands off, wouldn't he? Yeah, for sure. He would have done. And, uh, you know, let's remember that a couple of seasons ago, Strev's got them into the playoffs and... Uh, you know, they just failed at the last hurdle before Wembley. But uh, he, he's another one now who's been around this league as a player for quite a while and then a manager. Um, looking at the early league table, another two teams that have got two wins out of three. And we were all a little shocked when they both lost on the opening day. Probably, Matt, I'm sure you'd agree, the two sides most touted as the favourites to win this league, Stockport County and Notts County. Um Starting with Stockport, a 3-0 win, comfortable in the end against Dover. I think Dover put up a um, strong resistance for a while, but uh, ultimately they got the, the job done and there's no doubt what a role John Rooney's going to play in that side this season. I think that they'll be, especially with the, the, the runs they, they're going to hope to be on and where they're going to be in the league table, they're the ones who are really going to want the, the fans back in. Two massive fan bases, two big grounds, when things are going well for them, two places that will absolutely rock and, you know, the fans make it extremely hard to go and play there. So, you know, they'll want the fans back in for that reason. But Stockport made many good signings in the summer. Um, John Rooney, especially, you know, the season he had with Barrow last year to go and sign the captain of the champions certainly shows your intent for the season. Stockport, you know, I haven't actually seen much of them other than the goals and a few highlights. Uh, but obviously we've got Notts County on Tuesday. So I've, I've watched a fair bit of them, um, and I think they're—I think they're top draw. They're, they've got some top players. Uh, they're, they're a very, very good side. Is it because I've just watched a little bit more than Notts County than Stockport right now? But I think if you finish above Notts County, you win the league. Um, I, I think you know an experienced manager has won promotions before in Neil Ardley. Um, some unbelievable players, some unbelievable players in their squad. The depth to come off the bench to freshen it up. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we already said you wouldn't get carried away with three wins out of three, but but Tuesday will give you a real benchmark, Matt, won't it? It, it will do. We we drew one all in both games with them last year, um, but I feel that they're better. I feel that they're a better team than last year, but I probably feel that we're a bit we're a better team than we were last year as well. And hope hopefully hopefully it'll be a good game on Tuesday night. Definitely going to be our hardest test, if not one of the hardest tests of the season, obviously. Um, and it'll be a really good gauge for us to see where we're at come Tuesday night uh, against, a, as I say, a very, very good team. 
Yeah, Notts County, of course, we, we saw them, didn't we, Rob, uh, against uh, Altrincham on Wednesday evening. And, and I know in terms of our predictions, we've kind of split down the middle on Notts County and Stockport, aren't we? Yeah, do you remember you said to me, I think it was you that asked me in our preview pod, interestingly, Rob, why have you gone for Notts County over Stockport? Mm. And, and for me, it's the goal threat from so many different places over the pitch. If Baldwin's not starting, the chances Callum Roberts is going to do something amazing on the other side. Wooten's going to score your goals. Thomas is going to score your goals. Um, and I think with Stockport, there's no doubt in the likes of Connor Jennings and uh, John Rooney. But with their out-and-out forward line, I'm just not sure if there's perhaps as many goals in them. Uh, they'll be resolute at the back, and I think they'll win a lot of games, 1-0, 2-0, 2-1 season. I'm absolutely sure both sides would be right up there, as, a, as I think Matt concurs as well. Um, you mentioned, Matt, there about clubs who would really love the fans to be let in. Luke, I know you had a point to uh, to just build on um, regarding the Let's fan, uh, Let Fans In campaign. So there's a petition out at the minute, a, a, a YouGov petition, uh, and, and it's had 100, I think this morning, as we record, before we came on air, it's had about 192,000 signatures, which means that it's got to be spoken about now in Parliament. Uh, there's hashtag let fans in. It's a, it's a massive campaign, and, and, and certainly in a week where they're maybe going to announce more restrictions. I mean, I don't see why uh, somewhere like Sutton, even if you get three, four hundred in it, it just, it'd still make a difference to you, wouldn't it? Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, we're, we're, we're no different to every other club in the league. You know, we're, we're desperate. For this level of football, the, the, the match day, money, revenue, what comes in, um, not just from people paying across the turnstiles, but, you know, the, the, the bars, the, the, the hospitality, it's massive. It's absolutely massive. And I just can't see any reason why we can't have supporters in, uh, socially distancing, you know, Dave Fairbrother, one of our directors uh, and chairman, who is our COVID officer, has worked tirelessly hours and days of work to get our stadium COVID-friendly, ready to go, and to be uh, told at such short notice that then the fans weren't going to be able to come in uh, to the stadiums is is just so disappointing for everybody concerned. Um, Yes, we've got some funding, I believe, for three months from the government, which is great, which well, which has to happen because there, there wouldn't be football clubs at this level if if that didn't come through. Um, but I just hope it's uh, not three months until we're waiting until fans come in and, and this campaign has obviously been supported brilliantly. Uh, and we just hope that this decision is reversed sooner rather than later. With your with your three G pitch, are you in a slightly better position than others because you can hire it out to people. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have we have got that revenue of income that obviously was affected because that wasn't in use. It is back up and running. It's not what still what it was. Um, still, I don't, still don't believe it's, it's to its max. Um, but yeah, that's that certainly does help us. Yeah, and the let the fans in campaign was something that Stockport County manager Jim Gannon talked about. Chris went to the game yesterday. Chris Pratt finished Stockport County three. Dover nil. You'll hear from both managers. You'll hear from Andy Hess and Tyler shortly. But first, it's Jim Gannon. Difficult to break them down in the first half, but not the floodgates didn't open. But a bit, a bit easier for your team in the second half. I think um, you know they were they were strong and determined in the first half. Obviously, they're having to make a few changes, so it was always a chance. We had to wait to try and test them out a little bit. Maybe the the young new players or the players out of position. 
Um, but we created chances in the first half, so it wasn't like the game opened up in the second half. I think we just kept as strong as we were, and we took the chances. And then after that, then when they make changes to to chase the game, then it's always a bit more difficult for them to keep, you know, us out at the other end. I think they seen that on Tuesday night when they went chasing the game against Bromley, and, and t- today. But yeah, really pleased that we got the opening goal and um, gave ourselves a chance to to go on and really enjoy the game. And six points out of a possible six like, uh, from the last two home games. You must be pleased with that after the opening day hiccup, if you like. Yeah, well, you know, a hiccup. Or we, I think we played really well against Turkey. Um, they stayed in the game. They got the the, <laughs> the goal that counted. Um, they used their subs to maximum. It's always a tough place to go, Turkey. Um, you know, obviously it's it's tough for Halifax and Dover. You know, Dover had a really tough week, yeah. and I've had to travel up today. So, yeah. um, and so the travelling and the, the fatigue element's always going to take a, a, a place. And I think that this week has shown really that that the strength of the group to not only mental strength to bounce back from a defeat and get two back-to-back wins, but also uh, the physical strength to be really strong and can and look like that they can finish games. Um, with the upper hand and, and deserve wins and that's that's going to be really important as we go forward Is there a bit more pressure on the players and on the club this season because the bookies are making your favourites to, to, to go up is there are you taking a bit more pressure into games because you seem quite relaxed <laughs> No, no look I, I talked about the pressure that we'd be under the expectation you know um, no, there's no pressure from the owner the board um, we, we create our own pressure but yeah there's a natural expectation um and uh, you know we feel under pressure ourselves because we've all come together here this season, and we feel that we've got a really good chance, and we want to set a high standard, and we want to be really, really competitive, and we want to have a, a really good season. So, yeah, there's always going to be pressure. Um, <laughs> me and Andy were discussing before the game that sometimes maybe not having a crowd helps because <laughs> when you're losing at home to a, to a, to a perception of lost one nil, you're one nil down at home. Maybe the pressure, but I think we're, we've got a very healthy environment. I think the two wins now really puts us in a positive frame of mind. We know it's going to be tough um, at this level. Anybody can beat anybody. All teams can make it difficult. Uh, an erroneous decision one way or another can tilt the game and the momentum. So we've got a, we're going to face some tough days where our credentials to be up there is going to be challenged, and um, you know we're going to be under pressure. But I think that what we have to do is just keep doing the right things. Uh, as often as well as possible and, and our quality and our hard work will, will shine through You've met, You raised the, the fans there it's really odd isn't it playing in the stadium with, with no fans in because normally you've got four or five thousand cheering you on you, you mustn't be able to wait till they come back yeah, and, and it's not just for me, it's for them. I'm, I'm really pleased for our lads, and I said we should be enjoying, I said in my programme notes today, that just enjoy every minute of the game. <laughs> I know it doesn't feel the same, but you actually are doing your work and you're able to play for points. You're able to play the game. That you jo- Some people haven't been able to do their job. So our mental health is great. Um, we're missing them, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for a lot of our fans, it's just it's part of their... Um, it's part of their weekly um, schedule. It's part of their buzz. It's the it's the thing they look forward to at the weekend. And you know, there's so much excitement and anticipation this year. Not just at our club, but every club. Um, that our fans can't wait to come back. But um, but you look at uh, fingers crossed. Now we all stay healthy. We get a grip of coronavirus, and that we can start coming back because um, I'm sure our fans are missing it, and um, we miss them as well.
Thanks, Jim. Andy, good first half, but second half you just slightly overrun a little bit. Yeah, no, and half time we was happy because obviously we got in nil nil and they had, you know, like they're strong, they're, they're physical and, and they play to their strengths with a big nine up front, Bennett. Um, and, um, you know, we, all, we almost made a change after, well, we made the change to try and perhaps get the youngster down, Louis Collins coming on. This being a smaller one because of their height and strength to try and get more down the sides. And it didn't happen for us, you know. You try things. Um, first goal, as I say, it's a penalty. It looks a penalty to me. I'm, I like to see it again with a video. Um, he's give it. Um, second one's a foul. I mean, things are not really going us. But listen, I'm not blaming the referee. He had a poor game for me. He had a poor game. But Stockport deserved to win, though, the bad side. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just think, you know, the referees, some of his decisions today were, were way off it. But, you know, that's that's what it is. Um, and, you know, they show what, what quality they've got at the football club. And, and like I've already said there, I mean, you know, we had a young kid work, playing today, just turned 17, playing against a really strong side in Stockport. And uh, I'm proud of him. And his parents should be proud of him because, you know, he done fantastic today. And, uh, you know, he's definitely one for the future. How would you sum up the first three games of the season? Obviously, you got up to a re- off to a really good start, but not quite the results you've looked you look for in the second in the le- next two yeah. games. Yeah. I'd have taken three points yeah. out of three games. I've yeah. got to say, <laughs> if you look at the fixture list when they come out, I'm like the problems we've had in the summer. Someone said you pick up three out of nine, I'd probably have taken that to be honest. So, um, but I thought we Bromley again. I was there obviously, and and people that were uh, were there or watched it on the videos. We were, it wasn't a 4-1, you know. Yeah, we'll take positives out of that one. Not so much positives today, um, other than the kid, as I say. Um, we've got to dust ourselves down, re, uh, re, rebuild and get ready for Tuesday night. And that was the two managers. And just quickly, Rob, before we move on, obviously it was a mismatch in terms of the, the budgets, as we know, Yes, on uh, on Saturday between Stockport and Dover. Andy Hessenthaler did say in his interview that he was, he was delighted to get three points out of nine, it's going to be a really tough season for Dover, isn't it, Matt? But we know where, as I said last week, Andy Hessenthal is a fight. We'll try and pull some rabbits out of the hat somewhere, won't he? I'll be going to um, Dover on Tuesday night to watch Aldershot, who are desperate for their first point of the season. Uh, they'd be fooling themselves if they think that'll be a nice, easy win. Uh, just ask Neil Ardley and Notts County about the opening day of the season. What Hess has got is, again, a lot of nous and experience in football and at this level. And what he will have been building as well, Matt, I'm sure, um, when the odds are against you, when you don't have a lot of finance, you you don't have a big squad, you've got a few players in on loan, the one thing you're going to look to do is build a little bit of siege mentality, isn't it? And what a perfect guy to go and create it with his experience and the clubs that he's going to manage and play for. Uh, and certainly the way he played as well, you know, a top player. And it'll be, um, it'll be creating yeah, a very strong team spirit there. Uh, that the world's against us and we've got to go to these big clubs with big budgets, ex-football league, etc. Uh, and be extremely hard to beat, trying to give the fewest mistakes away and, and force errors at the other end of the pitch. And um, I'll have no doubt that they'll pick up results and, and they'll be fine, even though their budget has been cut. But I can see them causing a lot of teams problems and pick up a lot of points along the way. So three other teams worthy of mention that have pulled off uh, two wins out of the three so far and they just sit in and around the bottom end of the uh, playoff positions and just outside. Torquay United did really, really well yesterday, went behind early at uh, Bromley, but came back to turn that one around with two second-half goals and win 2-1. So a decent start for Gary Johnson. 
Wrexham, really, really good clean sheet and 1-0 win away to Yeovil, who've been frustrated at home twice this week. Just one point out of six for one of the National League's uh, favourites. And then Woking, after uh, a perfect start again in the first couple of games, came unstuck a little bit uh, on uh, Saturday, going down 4-0 to Chesterfield, who got uh, their season up and running. Question for teams like Woking uh, and like Kings Lynn, uh, Matt. That's a really, really tough opening week, isn't it? They've done well in their first and second games, but not sort of looking for excuses for them. But the third game in a week for for part-time players who've been working out like, it's tough, isn't it? It's a tough ask. Definitely. Uh, for any team, let alone the part-time ones, it was makes it even harder. I, I believe Woken a little bit unfortunate. I think the scoreline maybe fatters uh, Chesterfield a little bit there. I think they can see three late goals and I think Woking has some really good spells in the game where they maybe should have yeah. got something out of it you know, to even equalise or, or take the lead. John so, Pember um, mentioned that in his interview, Matt, afterwards he sort of said it wasn't a 4-0 game and I know a lot of Chesterfield fans on Twitter underneath when they put the full-time score basically said on the stream Woking were a bit unlucky. So yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, no, he'll be, he'll be really pleased with his first two results and he'll probably take a lot of heart from his performance yesterday. Well, you know, they'll move on from that pretty quickly and, and, and look to try and put that right on Tuesday. Um, so, Woking, again, an, another good side. And another uh, goal for the big man as well, Rob Tondent. And... Yeah, he scored, uh, he scored, I think, in the last couple of games. He's off and running. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's a, a well-known threat. And, and sometimes even you, when you know what he's going to do, you can't stop him. A couple of other results to mention. The TV game on BT Sports Saturday evening. Uh, Dagenham continually knocked on the Wildstone door and eventually they found a way in second uh, second half. Angelo Balanta with the goal and uh, probably his fourth or fifth effort of the game. He looked impressive. Uh, a great bit of work from Paul McCallum to just nick the ball back as well and to set that uh, goal up. Um, so tough start for Wildstone. Another of the new sides coming up. A nil-nil between Borehamwood and Halifax where uh, Nathan Ashmore's Two or three key saves were instrumental in uh, earning the point for, for Boreham Wood. And uh, just, uh, we didn't really mention Barnet, did we, in the talk about Notts County, but they stayed in the game at Notts County. A couple of JJ Hooper goals for them, but ultimately went down 4-2. So a tough start for them as well. Yeah, just on Barnet quickly, Matt. Obviously, like, say, like Rob said, a tough start for them. They got a decent result midweek. Um, but Peter Beadle's got a tough job on this year, hasn't he? <laughs> He has. I actually live in Barnet, so I, you know I've, I know quite a lot about the club and and the history and, and where it goes back. And you know Darren Curry and Junior Lewis did a, a great job there last year. Um, Peter Beadle's come in. I know the budget has been cut, um, but uh, he's had to have a lot of transition there um, to try and get some new players in. As I say, it's very early days. I know what he, I know what it was like this time last year with, with me. So it will take time to get his ideas across and. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, again, they've got some good players there and they'll be fine. Brill. Well, uh, thanks for that, Matt. Thanks very much for joining us and, and best of luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks a lot. Thank you as well, Rob. Cheers. Bye, Luke. Bye, Matt. And next, we're going to look at the National League North. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply... quick reply affects your concentration and makes you less able to react to hazards 
If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. And joining us to look at the National League North, it will be Tom Feeney. Hiya, Tom. Hello, mate. How are we doing? Good. I know you've been big on Twitter, haven't you, about the hashtag Let Fans In campaign. It's funny because there's restrictions coming in, but as we've seen lower down, it does work. And one, I think the case is, I think it's in the top, uh, it's out of the top 20 of one of the places where you can actually catch COVID is, is outside in the open air in the football stadium. And two, I think a lot of these clubs below have, have proved it can be done safely. I mean, I know at my club, uh, we've had a lot of feedback on how everyone was a bit sceptical, but actually they felt really safe there. And it, it shows it probably can be done at a higher level with bigger grounds as well. I think, you know, when you look at the situation for a lot of National League North, National League South and National League clubs, is they, they're not asking for their stadiums to be full, half full, a quarter full. You know, a, a lot of these stadiums are in a, a position where they can safely have a small number. And, you know, I, I think this is where there's been a bit of confusion is that some some people have been saying, oh, they want half the ground full. You know, you're not looking at numbers like that at all. You're looking at a small proportion of fans being allowed in, being done in a very, very safe way, you know, the grounds I've been to so far, basically, because obviously National League clubs have had to get ready for fans to be allowed in. So you're able to see what the precautions are in place and the protocols. And I've got to say, you know, I was at Bradford Park Avenue on Monday night and I was sat in a stand on my own and it was like, you know, so much space, so much room, outdoors, you know, markings in place. And again, it's that thing of just a small proportion of fans could make a huge difference for clubs who quite simply at the moment are having to live, you know, hand to mouth. And basically, you know, there's this government grant which has come in, but at the moment there's details out particularly there in terms of how much clubs are going to get. And, you know, this is the, the reality is if we go the whole season without any fans being allowed in, I mean, I dread to think how many clubs will fold because of it. I think your average attendance is around six, seven hundred, something like that. So you could easily get three, even if they restricted it, you could easily get three hundred people in, and it'd still make a difference to Geisley, wouldn't it? Yeah, most definitely. And I think it's that thing for me is, you know, when you look at how some areas are allowed people in, you know, some indoor areas especially. That you know, the plan is that in December, you've got so many venues that are indoors that are going to be allowed you know, quite a high proportion of mm. people in as well. It, it's just, for me, you know, I look at how many non-league clubs have a cricket venue nearby and how they're allowed, you know, at that lo- at yeah. the local level, they're allowed support. And yet, you know, it's been weird just going to these National League games, you know, friendlies and now the competitive games. It really is weird where you're going in and you're seeing, you know, thousands of empty seats that, could be filled with a, a small proportion of people with plenty of social distancing in place and, you know, plenty of safety precautions that are already in place for it to happen. And you could go in a bar and watch it on a stream. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, we played Stockport County in a friendly and that game was behind closed doors. There were, you know, journalists there and, you know, essential staff. While in the clubhouse, which is which is connected to the 
club, there was a stream of the game on with people there watching it. And, you know, it, it just for me, it's that thing of there just seems to be a, a missing of logic at times in terms of people are allowed indoors for things, but an outdoor venue, these restrictions are all of a sudden in place. And obviously this elite ruling, which is this one size fits all approach, it, it doesn't work really, does it? And of course, contracts have been triggered now for those clubs that do have players on contracts. So you've got to find the money for that. And like you said, it's not going to be a bottomless pit, is it? No, I think this this is another thing where, you know, this grant's being given and certain people who don't understand the finances, you know, saying, oh, well, they've got more than enough money now. But the reality is this money is not a case that these clubs are going to be breaking even. They're still going to be making a loss. It's just a case that, you know, if this grant hadn't happened, some of these losses really would have been, you know, you're questioning immediately, well, can we start the season? Can we go into it? Because, you know, I know one club had looked at backing out of the FA Cup because of all this. The grant's now come in, but, you know, they still need some support. They still need, you know, people through the gates, really, because if it doesn't happen, well, I think by Christmas, by January, you know, immediately there's going to be real concern for at least, well, I'd say for at least two or three clubs within the National League that I've spoke to, you know, it really would be a concern what will happen next. Mm, definitely. It's a case of watch this space. Looking now at the National League North, it was it's interesting really, Tom, because um, Gloucester City, we talked about them getting knocked, out, getting knocked out of the FA Cup last week at Christchurch and we sort of said, could it, could it be a, a struggle for them this year? However, They've um, they moved into the new ground finally. They had the first home game in it, albeit with no fans. Beat Kettering easily and then had a good win at Charlie. And they currently top the table on goal difference, even though it is only two games in. But still, that'll be a good boost for them. It really will. And I think what difference a week makes because they lost that game in the FA Cup. Um, I think it was the first game in 20 years where they hadn't played a player from the Gloucester area as well. And there was kind of this thing of which way is Gloucester City going to go? And again, it's that thing of momentum. When they lost that FA Cup game, you're immediately thinking, if they lose to Kettering, you know, it's it's not a great start. But all of a sudden, they get into the new stadium. Again, a shame that no one was there. No fans were there to see it after such a long wait. But they get the win over Kettering. And then to beat Chorley the way they did, an impressive victory, you know, top of the table. And I think what it does is, it's a really good platform for them because based to Chorley's side, you know, obviously they'll be looking at wanting to be in and around them playoff places by the end of it. So to go there and win, you know, is a real good marker for them. Yeah, there was quite a few draws in, in the National League yesterday. The first three results as you look down uh, were draws, but another team who did win and, and are in second place and have had two different types of wins at Chester. They had a, a tough 2-1 win at Kidderminster on Tuesday, four, and then they followed it up with a 3-2 win against a Leamington side who are always quite obdurate, aren't they? Yeah, I think, you know, for Chester, it's kind of, it is one of those where when you look at what their group is, the group that Johnson and Morley have got is, it is one that is just full of team spirit. You know, you look at the group of players that they've been able to get in and then three results immediately show that a really tough game against Worksop you win that on penalties. Yeah, against Kidderminster, they were against 10 men for a long time, but 
like you said, you know, Kidderminster by the end of it were throwing the kitchen sink at them. And then to face a Leamington team who always make it a tough game, you know, they're one of these teams, Leamington, where you know you're going to have a battle, you know it's going to be a really competitive match whenever they play you. And to get that victory as well, I think it, it shows you it's a really good kind of, a, it's one of those markers for them where that team togetherness, that team spirit has been shown already throughout them three games. Yeah, and a man, who, a man who struggled for them last year, Danny Elliott, started the season on fire. I think that's four in three games for him now, isn't it? Across the three games he's played so far. Yeah, and I think he's he's an interesting one because he went he went on loan last season to Alfreton and kind of, I think it, it was one of those moves where it just was a perfect move. He, he went there, started scoring goals, his confidence built up, and then all of a sudden, you know, Chester because of Gloucester City's transactions, you know, signing their, their striker, all of a sudden, Elliot's got this basically being told, you're the man for us, you're the man to replace him. And, you know, you can't make a better start, can you? You know, his confidence is flowing, he's getting the goals. And he's kind of one of those players that he, he fits into that 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 team ethic that Johnson and Morley like so much. So, you know, a brilliant start for him and a brilliant start for Chester. Yeah, in third place, uh, AFC filed, and we chatted about one on the podcast last week. I was a, uh, I was crying foul last week because they're not my team hide out of the FA Cup, but uh, they looked a bit shaky at the back, but very good going forward, and and they followed up that victory last Saturday in the FA Cup with two one nil wins, and it was it, it's been really important for him to uh, get those results, hasn't it? And two got Nick Horton's got the winner in both of them. He's going to make a big difference for them this year, but. Jim Bentley will be delighted with that because they were leaking goals last year, even though they were scoring them. Yeah, and I think this is the thing is, the, the reason why they were relegated was the defence because they were a team you always looked at them and thought, they'll get a goal. That isn't going to be a problem. It was the defence. So for them to get them clean shoot so early on, you know, it kind of proves that they've turned a page already. And obviously, you know, they've signed Jordan Hume, who at this level is guaranteed to get goals. But having players you know, that can make a real impact, you know, and Nick's done it in two games already, showing the quality he has. He's, he's another one where the, file, the players they've brought in are impressive, but it's some of the players that they've been able to keep as well, where I was really surprised that a National League club, you know, didn't go for Nick and he's showing the, the value we'll bring to the side. In fourth position, it's our regular contributor, Dickey's team, AFC Telford. They had a really impressive win over Brackley in midweek on Tuesday evening. And uh, obviously, I've put them in my uh, my playoff picture this year. And they went up to Blyde Spartans on Saturday. And speaking to Dickie Early, who was a bit disappointed, it was a, a defensive error right at the end, which which enabled Blyde to get a point against Telford. And they'll be... In what, on one hand, they'll be pleased to have got four points, won't they, Tom? But on the other hand, after the win they had over such an impressive Brackley team, they'll be disappointed to have not... Got six points. Yeah, and I think to get so near to the end of it and, you know, to be closing in on two wins in a row and building that momentum and to concede the way they did will be really disappointing. But again, it is a good start for them. And I think kind of Tuesday's performance at Brack against Brackley, you know, that's a marker for them, you know, to to face a good Brackley side and to get the win the way they did, they... Watching the highlights, they really looked so impressive. And again, I think 
it, it's kind of one of them for Telford where they've made they've made the required changes. They've brought in that bit of experience that they've got, and I think in a league where you can basically say about twenty of them could could end up in the playoffs. I think Telford certainly are going to be one of those that will be knocking on the door by the end of it. Yeah, two other teams who we tipped to get in the playoffs, York and Spennymore, both had draws as well. Both be slightly disappointed, especially York. They uh, they had a really good win. They started off the season on, on fire on Tuesday evening, winning by four goals to nil. But then they had a Yorkshire derby against Farsley and only drew 1-1. Spennymore drew 1-1 at Alfredton. So both on four points, but both safely ensconced in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the um, York game and I thought... It was it was a really interesting game because for about seventy five minutes, York were winning the game. It, you know, it didn't look like Farsley really were going to get back into it. But the moment Farsley got the equaliser, Farsley then had two really good chances to win it right at the end. And I think for York, it, the frustration will be for Steve Watson. You know, I think he said it afterwards. Seventy five minutes, it was a really good professional performance, and it looked like they were going to close out a one nil win. After a really good win over Chorley, that kind of defensive performance would have impressed Steve Watson until the last 15 minutes where the moment they conceded then, you know, I think Farsley left, will have left that game really disappointed they didn't win because they they just started carving York up. But I think in the end, probably a case of for both teams, something that they can learn from. And obviously for York now, you know, the expectation levels for them thanks to the Ben Godfrey money that's coming their way, you know, will be that they'll be very much in there. I think I do think they'll win the league because of the, you know, the resources they're going to have and the squad they've got. But I think there's some lessons to learn from that game against Farsley. Yeah, it's interesting. We talk about we talked about at the beginning, didn't we, about football clubs needing grants. Well, York, as you say, got that boost from Ben Godfrey's transfer. Two million pounds into the coffers. I mean, with the new stadium on the way, which has cost them a lot and having to stay at Booth and Crescent, that'll fill a hole nicely, won't it? Definitely. You know, and I think I think for York City, it's been probably the last five years have just been kind of down, down and down, really. You know, they got relegated from League Two to the National League, then relegated from the National League to the National League. And off and now they won the FA Trophy in between. And then last season, it looked like, you know, to me, they were going to go up if a worldwide global pandemic hadn't happened. I think they would be in the National League now. So I think for them, it's some welcome news. And Again, with so much uncertainty at this level for finances, I mean, £200,000 would have been, a, a, mm. you know, a fantastic gift. So to be looking at a figure that's in and around 10 times that, I mean, it's remarkable for them, isn't it? And again, new stadium on the web, a bit like Gloucester, where you've got that feel-good factor, a bit of money in there as well. So, you know, plenty of good signs for the Minster man. Yeah, Christmas will, will come early for Steve Watson there. Down at the bottom, we mentioned uh, mentioned Leamington lost at Chester. Down there with them on zero points are Bradford and Ketting. They have only played one game, though, Bradford and Ketting. Both had games called off because um, of a player testing positive on, on both of those teams. So, Charlie Darlington and Leamington have now played all two games, all down at the bottom, having lost both of them. Leamington, I mean, we talked about in the preview, didn't we? They always kind of, there'll always be a, a bottom half team, but we don't think they'll struggle, although they've conceded seven in their first two. The prizes are probably Charlie and Darlington, although maybe less so Charlie. And I saw Stockport announce Matt Janssen as head scout this week, and he's taken Charlie's chief scout with him, which is a massive blow for them. And Darlington haven't got off to the start, did one either. Yeah, I mean, you know, for Leamington, 
you know, the, right, the bottom of the table right now, they, they won't be in a few games' time because the way they play, they always grind results out and they'll, they'll be doing that soon enough. I'm pretty sure of that. I think Darlington are the one that really surprises me because, you know, the signings that Armstrong's made and the, the fact that he knew so many of these signings already, you, you did think that they would gel immediately, but, you know, they've played Kidderminster and lost. And Could you know, Armstrong argue that Maybe they've had a tough run of fixture. I mean, certainly failed. It was a tough opening baptism of fire for them. But then Kidderminster, uh, I, know, I know the full time, but they've been a bit flaky, haven't they, over the last couple of games? So do you think you'll be disappointed that they haven't got at least something out of those two? Yeah, I think, I think the thing is, you know, again, probably with especially Tuesday night's game, it looked like they could have got a point out of it. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't particularly like they were outclassed or anything. You know, again, a single goal in it and... I think for Alan Armstrong, again, you know, you're two games in, it's not a case of panicking, but I think for Darlington, that, that upturn in form will definitely be arriving soon enough. I think the, the only thing for them would be probably the expectation levels when with the amount of good signings that they announced, you know, the way football is nowadays, people, you know, expect instant success, but I do think that will arrive. But I think t- to me, Chorley's an interesting one because you look at momentum and how last season, obviously in the nor and in the national league, you know, they, they were far off it. They were the team that pretty much from day one, everybody thought would be getting relegated. And obviously the pandemic, you know, happens, but they would have gone down anyway, I think. And again, you know, they've got a tough game against York city. They lose that and they lose it quite convincingly as well. So I think for them, it was, case if they really wanted to get something at the weekend, obviously that hasn't happened. And their next game is against York again in the FA Cup. So, you know, all of a sudden that thing of trying to get momentum, you know, it's something that will be a real tough ask for Chorley. Yeah, another team who, who uh, people might expect to be in the playoffs, we mentioned it earlier, they got beaten convincingly 3-0 at home to Telford and they were leading against Curzon Ashton and could only draw 2-2 at Brackley Town and a bit of a surprise. I've tipped them not to be in the playoffs last week. I touched on it briefly with Dickie last week in terms of, I think, maybe last season was their, maybe their, missed, their last chance or certainly missed opportunity for a while. I mean, what do you think? I think they'll make it. I do. I am surprised, though, that especially the way that Brackley play and the, the defensive work they have is, you know, for, for me, when they, when they took the lead against Curzon and, you know, closing in on the final stages, I really did think, yeah, they you know, they're going to win that game. But I think that says a lot, maybe a bit about Curzon Ashton as well and the way that Steve Cunningham's got this squad together and the spirit they've got that, you know, at 2-0 down, they've kind of gone, do you know what, we can get something here and they've, you know, pushed players forward and they've got their rewards for it. And I think, again, it's this thing on early, early days, but I do think that this says maybe a little bit more about Curzon than it does Brackley and just the team spirit and togetherness that Curzon have. Excellent. Tom, thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure. No worries at all, mate. And next, we're going to look at the National League South. And joining me to look at the National League South is our resident National League South expert, Tom Lang. Hiya, Tom. Hi, Luke. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And I know there's a few games that have caught your eye over the weekend. We're not going to really look at the table, um, even though there's two games. And I know you refuse to look at that, but... The standout result was probably Eastbourne going to Hemel Hempstead and winning by four goals to one. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that's a fantastic result for Eastbourne. Um, I think uh, after sort of that, that humbling they got from Dorking at home in midweek, um, you know, no shame in losing to Dorking, but nobody wants to go down 3-0 in their opening game of the season. Um, for them to go out and, and smash Hamill 4-1 is a really positive result for Eastbourne. Um, a double from Chris Welkdale was uh, influential in that after Charlie Walker had set them on their way inside the first minute. And I think Welkdale's going to prove to be a really good signing for for Eastbourne. You know, I'd be interested to hear yeah. what Chelmsford fans think about the fact that they let him go because I think I think Welkdale's still got an awful lot to offer at this level. And they did bring him in for his goals, did they? I think he got a hat-trick in the FA Cup last week as well. And so he scored, uh, I think he scored five in three now, has he? Yeah, and he's, you know, he's really firing. He's clearly settling him well down on the south coast. Um, and yeah, I was just surprised that Chelmsford let him go or... You know, obviously, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, whether they put up a fight to keep him, but uh, he could be really good signing for Eastbourne. Um, Elvis Hammond's got the fourth for for uh, the, the Kent side, and then Sadik Bellarabi got the consolation for Hemel. But for Hemel, there is some, there's some concern already. I know it's very early in the season, um, but Lee Bircham and the team that have come in from Berkhamstead, um, they brought in a lot of step ball players. There was a bit of disquiet on some of the fan forums about yeah, everyone likes to see the players progress up the leagues. But can you build a squad on players from two divisions lower? Um, and even after two games, you know, I looked on some of the National League South forums this morning. There's a little bit of discontent about is this? Do we need to start looking at how the squad's built again? And I know that they've brought in two or three players this week already, but that's two losses to start the season. They could really do with a nice morale booster against Wimborne Town in the FA Cup this week. Yeah, of course, the National League North and South sides uh, take part in the FA Cup again, once again, this coming Tuesday. Uh, the big game, certainly the standout game, and it was the one in the non-league paper as well, was Haven't against Maidstone. And in the end, they, they cancelled each other out, didn't they? They did, and it was all summer signings with the goals as well. And everybody loves to see their their new acquisitions getting up and running quickly. And, and Joey Iacofano, Iacofano certainly did that for Haven't. Um, Worth remembering, this is their first game of the season as well. They were on a bye last week because obviously the National League South is running one team short this season. Um, so one game, two goals in the league for Iacofano. He's picked up exactly where he left off for uh, St Albans last city. So Paul Dawson will be really pleased with that because whatever he says about the team building and the squad building's done, it looks good. He will have been worried about how they replicate what Jonah Younger brought to the squad. You don't get moves to Bristol Rovers from National League South without being a really serious footballer. And Ayunga was that. So, great, great start for Iacofano. Um And then 92nd and 95th, I think, were the minutes. For... Yeah, they left it late, didn't they, Maidstone? Yeah, absolutely. George Porter and Joel, again, Joel not brought in for his goals, but um, a 95th minute equaliser for the big centre-back. Um, and I was, you know, I think Ian Herring picked him out in our season preview as well. That's a really good signing for Maidstone. I think Ellul could come from Maidenhead. He could still have done a job at that. The National League. That's a really good sign for them and, and they need to do better this season as well. So, Porter, Ellul, those sort of players, they've signed them from National League clubs, they're still good National League players, could really kick them on this year. So, another another standout result as well was uh, Hungerford. They've had two wins in two. Now, I don't think they've conceded in those two games either and they had a good 2-0 win away at, at Tunbridge, somebody he'd expect to be in and around Hungerford uh, come the season end. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those funny things, isn't it? We always seem to give more credibility to points that are won at the end of the season. But at the end of the day, beating someone who, exactly as you say, is likely to be a positional rival 
get those wins in early doors. Hungerford, five goals scored, none conceded. Um, Luke Kearney, again, uh, you know, potentially a man of the match performance from him, I'm reading. That's two in a row for the summer signing from Paul in goal. Um, and I think it's worth noting that Ryan Seeger scored again, so that's two and two for him. He's been a player who a lot of people have looked at as, as having potential over the years at Yeovil Town. Um, you know, he, he, he struggled to maybe find a home. Could Danny Robinson be about to get the best out of him at Hungerford? It's certainly a good start. Um, as for Tunbridge, they had that, that good 2-0 win in midweek. Obviously, Arthur Lee got sent off towards the end. Maybe it's just a bit of sort of tired legs at the start of the season. Um, I wouldn't be worried about them, certainly. I think they, they'll, they'll look... They'll look to pick up points straight away off the back of that, I think. So, Darkin have scored six goals in their opening two games so far. They're out of the FA Cup, which will give them a bit, a bit of extra rest as well. But they beat, as Tom said earlier, they beat Eastbourne Borough away 3-0 in midweek. And then they followed that up on Saturday with a good 3-1 win over Slough, who we spoke to John Underwood on our pre-season podcast. And, and they'll be there or thereabouts as well. So, like you said, Tom, another one where a positional rival, they've got one over early. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that I think that Slough will be a positional rival this season. I think they've had two seasons where they managed to achieve despite their really small squad. Um, you know, I'm not doubting the quality of the players they've got. I'm not doubting the quality of the management team, but they do have a small squad. Uh, and that was evident yesterday. They were missing Dan Roberts. They were missing Guy Hollis, Ben Harris, Ada Okaregi. They've signed Cameron McGill-, McGill from Swindon today. They're clearly trying to rectify that. But you can't go to a club like Dorking on the bare bones and expect to pick up points. Um, Mark White's got Dorking firing already. Jason Pryor, I think that's his third goal of the season. Uh, Alfie Rutherford opened his account yesterday. Um, Dorking are living up to their billing as one of the pre-season favourites so far. Um, I, I like the way you tried to draw the positives out of them going out of the FA Cup because that will have stung. Um, they will not be happy about that. Somebody else will be happy this weekend... Is is Tommy Conway, the on-long Bristol City forward, scored two goals for Bath as they beat Billericay. Uh, Billericay have lost two out of two so far, but good start for Bath. Absolutely. Um, and Tommy Conway, yeah, two goals for him. Um, he also scored two in the Cup as well, so that's four in three three appearances for him at Bath. Um, and it's justifying how Jerry Gill's gone around building his forward line this season. Um might have been some eyebrows raised at the fact that Ross Stern, Adam Mann, Ryan Brunt all left this season and bizarrely all of them have pitched up at Chippenham. They must have a car, car school or something. Um, but he's inten- clearly intentionally picked up some people from Bristol City. He's got Tommy Conway and Freddie Hines, both up front, both from the same club, both played together through the under-23 system at Bristol and they linked up very well together yesterday. Um, it was to- Conway with the goals, but by all accounts, both of them were equally as effective in the final third. So maybe Bath have got that striker, that elusive goal-getter that they've struggled for over the last few seasons. They tried Brian Brown, they tried Andy Watkins, they tried Tyler Harvey last season, didn't work out for them. But then on the other side, you look at Billericay, you know, that's two 2-0 losses in the league. They're out of the cup to Brackley, ridiculous draw as well in a regionalised league. How do you draw someone from the Northern League? But anyway, to one side, Jamie Hara is going to need to arrest this. Um, they were 5-1 to one with the bookies at the start of the season for the title. I don't think many serious observers really bought into that, but you'd expect them to be up a mid-table pushing for the playoffs. Um, and it doesn't get any easier with having up next. Well, yeah, they'll have to be up for that one, certainly. 
Uh, another game which you can quickly look at was Chelmsford against Oxford. They drew 1-1 and interesting to see Adam Morgan on the score sheet. I mean, I think he's played for nearly every club in the north and now he's working his way through the south. And I was looking, he's only 26 as well. He was, he was a hot prospect at Liverpool, but he's really sort of dropped down the leagues. He's trying to work his way back up. Uh, he's at Chelmsford and he scored on Saturday. Yeah, he's uh, signed, signed for Chelmsford from Romford in the summer. Um, another one of the players who, who joined Glenn Tamplin's merry-go-round of magic um, at, uh, at Romford over, over the end of last season. But um, clearly, he, he still believes he can play at a high level and you know he's, he's obviously got the pedigree that he can. I know James Roberts uh, got the equaliser for Oxford City. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see how Adam Morgan gets on this season. Uh, I think he, if he plays... If he keeps his head in the game, I know they've brought in Phil Roberts as well this week as well, who's, who's got real ability at this level, but another player who can lack the concentration across a season. If they can get them focused and get them motivated, that could be a really potent forward line for Chelmsford. Yeah, James Roberts scored in his debut for Oxford City and he's a player Dickie will know well as well because he's at spending more last year and he got 10 in 10 for them before moving down south to Oxford. And after the game, friend of the podcast, Darren Smith from the Claret Army podcast, he he caught up with the Oxford City manager, David Oldfield, after the game. So, one whole draw here at Champs today. What are your views on the game? A uh, very difficult game. Um, they are a good side. Uh, we had to make sure that we, are, we were as strong and competitive uh, to get anything out of the game. Um, we, I learnt a lot from, from the group and, and from how we need to make sure we stand up and be counted, and, and the boys did today. So it's, uh, it's a good point in, against a decent side. Excellent finish today for your goal from James Roberts out of volley. Uh, were you a bit disappointed that you conceded so soon after that? Yeah, I think it's safe to say we were disappointed, absolutely. Uh, I thought it was a good goal from their point of view. But from our point of view, we do need to, to defend that better and, um, and make sure we are switched on and concentrated. Uh, overall, I think probably a draw was was uh, a competitive uh, score for the game. And, and as I say, I think they made it very hard for us and hopefully we made it hard for them. It's a very competitive league and uh, we're learning very quickly. I thought your substitution made an impact uh, on the game today and I thought Zach McEachern looked good when he came on. Are you glad to have so much squad depth there available for you to call on? I think that's very kind to say. I think it is an interesting point that if Zach comes off the bench, who is playing? And, and the boys have deserved to play. Um, Zach's very important to us, but no more important than the group. And I think uh, if we can have a collective group that's working hard together, that's... Um, then hopefully we'll be uh, we'll be as competitive as we can be. Looking back a while, so you took over the job in March uh, for the lockdown stuff. But what attracted you to the job and come back into management here? I knew Oxford City from my Oxford United days. Uh, I finished my playing career and, and started my coaching career at Oxford United. So I knew the club. I knew the passion around the, the club. I knew the people have the best the club's best interest at heart. And um, the owners are. Uh, are, are trying really hard to progress the club going forwards. Uh, the supporters are really important to us. We, we just we're missing them so so badly, uh, and it's a club that are really trying to pull together and really trying to progress going forward. And that, and that was a big attraction. Got a big FA Cup game against Tamworth on Tuesday. Um, obviously, the club's a good record in the FA Cup over the recent years. How important is it for you to progress in that competition? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. I think it's uh, when I first came in, I referenced what happened in the past more often than. And perhaps new managers should do. Uh, I was conscious that there was good work, really good work done previously, and and, and certainly through the cup uh, runs and the cup results, uh, we we are trying to match that. 
it's a big game for us. I know it's a big game for them. And we need to make sure we recover as, as much as we can today and, and be as competitive as we can there. It's, um, it's something that we have to try and live up to. And, and in the past, they've done very well. But that has gone. And it, it is about how we recover and how we go now. So it's been a good start to the season for you. Um, obviously, it's been difficult for everyone, uh, building squads and bringing things together. But how confident are you that you can have a successful season and maybe push for that top 10 and beyond? Well, we're, we're hopeful. For once, forgive me for being uh, not too committal on it. We, we want to progress, we want to show progression, and we want to be as, as competitive as we can be. But we have to pass the ball too, we want to be uh, good to watch too, and we want to be a collective group. So if we can achieve those aims, then hopefully um, the results will come and, and we'll see where we end up. Brilliant, thanks, David. No, good luck for Tuesday and for the rest of the season. And that was David Oldfield. And we mentioned him briefly in the preview, didn't we? In this National League South preview, didn't we, Tom? In that, we didn't really mention him, but we mentioned him as maybe being dark horses, didn't we? Yeah, potentially. Um, you know, David Oldfield's been there long enough now that he he knows what he can produce at that squad. Um, I think Janai Gordon was a good signing. Bringing back AJ George, um, who was on loan from Oxford United last season, is a good signing. Ben Zazinski is a, is a good signing. Like they've, they've built a pretty strong squad. And of course, as you mentioned, James Roberts as well. Um, but they've had some big losses as well. Um, Kyron Wiltshire moving to St Albans. He's he's a really solid midfielder at this level. Um, and, and he looked great for St Albans in midweek against Hampton as well. Um, they, I don't know how they'll replicate what he would have brought. Um, and also Craig Fasamade, uh, he, he's had a really good start at Hungerford as well. And that sort of energy in the final third. Again, I was surprised that they let him go. So then briefly, then just rounding up the other results at Ebbsfleet, they uh, they finished with 10 men, but ended up drawing 1-1 with Dulwich Hamlet. Dulwich Hamlet, who you can see this week on the BBC Red Button, they asked the selected game. They, they they will be on the red button against away at Christchurch, who knocked out Gloucester City, of course. So they'll be looking to take another scalp, this time from the National League South. But Gavin Rosal, it'll be happy enough to get a point away at Ebsley, although Ebsley played for an hour with 10 men. Hey, that's a good result. Um, Ebsley are a strong side this season. The, the squad they've built would not look out of place in the lower reach of the National League. Um, Rakesh Bingham started well. He's coming from Dundee United. That's three goals in two games for him. Um, I think that's a good point. I think Gavin Rose can be pleased with that. Um, he has come in for criticism recently. Um some Dulwich fans who've been saying that had the season been completed, they don't think he would have stayed in post. Uh, I, I don't think that's fair. I think that Gavin Rose has done enough at the club to justify more time. But again, they, they've seen a lot of transition this season. Um, you know, the likes of Christian Smith and Myron Clunis, the fact they let them walk out the door surprised me. Um, Preston Edwards, you know, they let him go. He went to Chippenham where, or sorry, to Braintree, where he apparently had a fantastic game against Chippenham yesterday. Yeah, talking of Chippenham, it... They they won one nil against the aforementioned Braintree, and it made me laugh. Actually, Mike Cook, the chip in the manager, said afterwards, "He went, it's good to to finally get off the mark." He thought, "I've only played two league games, but I suppose as a manager, you are relieved to get that first win under the belt." But I mean, we are only two games in. There's not much panic yet, is there for them? It, it we no, sorry, let me start that bit again. We are exactly. Um, I think you know we obviously we've got, we've got time to fill in there. And, uh, and podcasts to make. So we've got to have these conversations. But any realistic observers are not drawing too many solid conclusions after two games of the season, are they? Um, and I think, yeah, Ch- Chippenham, they, they suffered a pretty demoralising loss, I would say, to Hungerford. That's a, that's a side you would, they wouldn't expect to go down 3-0 to. 
Um, but they've had a very good preseason campaign. Um, they've not dropped a huge, you know, they've not lost a huge amount in their preseason. Um, so I think, I think they can probably just put that hunger for that game down to a bit of an aberration and, and take that result against Braintree. Um, Kieran Parcell with a goal, I think, a bit of a deflection off his knee, but they all count, and those three points certainly look nice on the table. To finish off with, then two two draws. At Concord against St Albans, they drew one one. Alex Wall opener scoring for Concord before Dave Jeju equalised for St Albans, and they had a man sent off as well. And then another game, of course, that you'd be interested in. The only nil nil of the day, Tom, was between Hampton and Dartford. I was delighted to be at it. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Do you know, it's not it, what you were saying before we started recording. <laughs> Do you know it wasn't the worst nil-nil I've seen? Um, it was energetic, it was muscular. Um, the fact that the four best performers were um, Ronnie Vint, Tom Bonner, Charlie Wasmer and Dean Inman, all the centre-backs, uh, sort of told its own story. Um, I think both teams sort of would have had the same positives and negatives out of that game. Um, defensively very solid, but just not really clicking in the final third. When you look at some of the attackers on that pitch, you know, Hampton had Ryan Hill, Nico Muir, Danny Bassett, some real talent on the pitch. Dartford had Elliot Romain, uh, Jack Barham, Noor Hussin. But neither side really clicked. Um, maybe two to three good chances for both sides, but or maybe not, I wouldn't even describe it as good chances, sort of like two-third chances. Um, but just neither side really firing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they how they rectify that over the next few weeks. But no great concerns. A clean sheet for both sides and um, draw is probably a fair result. Excellent. And if I was to push you, Tom, for a, an FA Cup shot mid uh, this week uh, in terms of National League South side that could trip up, where, where would you go? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, inter- it's a good question. I, I think there's there's a few games that sort of jump off the page in that regard. I think firstly, Molden and Tiptree against Braintree. Um, they're not too far away from each other. It's an Essex derby-ish. Um and Molden Tiptree are a good side. They they were running away with the league last season, weren't they? But they have, of course, lost Jerome Slew, Danny uh, Parrish and Charlie Hughes, all gone to Wheelston. But I think they could surprise Braintree. Um, certainly, I don't think Braintree are a strong squad this season, so that could be an upset. But the one which I think would be the biggest surprise that could happen is Whiteleaf against Concord Rangers. Um, there's something about Whiteleaf. I like them. Um, they score goals. They've got some decent players in the side. Um and I just, I just think that could be, could be an upset. Excellent. Well, thanks, for, thanks for that, Tom. And uh, enjoy your week. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. I'm <laughs> going to be taking in the return of Chris Dixon to the Beverly Stadium as they welcome Hornchurch on Tuesday night. Are you, uh, are you going to be the only one there booing him? Because there's like no fans there. <laughs> I think we can get all the directors and officials to boo him as well. <laughs> Well, that is it. Thank you very much for listening to us. Don't forget to subscribe, as I mentioned, on iTunes and Spotify. Get in touch with us on Twitter at NL Full Time. Until then, we'll see you all very soon. Look after yourselves and take care.